the word of God from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32 in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Good morning. close your eyes just for a moment as we prepare to go wider. God, we pray that uh, this time in the scripture and the communion liturgy and everything about this service would invite us to go a bit wider with our love. Show us someone for whom we might do that with. In Christ's name, amen. You have got to share it. You got to share it. You got to give it away, the thing that you have found. Jesus clearly illustrates through his words and action that the love of God is not to be hoarded. It's not to be kept to ourselves we find it again today in Acts and in Matthew's parable. Last week we explored going deeper in Christ, but we cannot stop there. We can't just stop by going deeper in our own spiritual practices and looking at the Bible and all this stuff. We can't stop there. We must widen our love if we're going to experience the vastness of what following Jesus is all about. Early in the Bible, we see, just like the parable, that God started small. He selected Abraham and Sarah to start. And then over time and lots of windy paths, it started to grow to a whole family of people, Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes. And it got bigger. And then the circle got even wider when Jesus came to teach us that we have to love people outside our circles, people we don't want to love, the Samaritans and the Canaanites and those pesky enemies, the love kept getting wider. And then at Pentecost, like we just heard now, Acts, that, that book of the Bible that Luke writes right after his gospel, he goes into Acts and he writes this. He, we learn about 
the wideness of God's love that goes to all people, which would have been absolutely revolutionary for the whole world, for all nations. I'd like for us to hear that key verse again that should be in your insert, and it's verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Think about that. This little group of ragtag losers, literally, Jesus is saying, you are gonna take this little thing and it's gonna explode. And it's going to reach to people you could never imagine. Absolutely revolutionary. And so what I'm about to say to you is, is, is super intuitive. You already know it. You already know this. You are a witness for Jesus Christ. You're a witness. Your life the way you live it, the way you speak it is supposed to proclaim Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection through your deeds, through the way you live. And here's the hard part. Here's the hard part. You're supposed to speak it too. You're supposed to use words. So here's my question. How are you doing with that? Uncomfortable silence. Some of you are doing great. Some of us have opportunities to grow. And I suspect that most of us are really comfortable with the quote I'm about to tell you. It's attributed to St. Francis. He probably didn't say it. doesn't matter. It's a good quote. Here it is. Preach the gospel at all times. And when necessary, use words. I like that quote. You know why? Because I can strive to be loving in my actions, to make God's love real, to participate in missions and outreach and helping the poor. But we would prefer, if we're really honest, to not have to use language about Jesus. We just want you to see it in us. I don't want to tell you about it. Right? So in other words, we would prefer not to engage in verbal evangelism. But here's the problem with that. Here's the problem. The problem is that you and I and us, this high park and placed in this, this point in history, in this time, with everything going on, we are called to be the story, to find our role in it and to live it in powerful ways. And that means that we should engage with work in the poor, but we must also use our words. I heard a guy once say, he was a consultant, he said, cup of water, no Jesus, no good. Jesus, no cup of water, no good. We can do both. We can offer a cup of water from the spirit with which Jesus calls us to love. Last fall, we rebooted, I bet you didn't catch this, we rebooted our mission statement ever so slightly. It didn't change much, but we clarified something. Clarified something about making God's love real. What does that even mean? Anything can kind of fall under that, right? And so 
what the team did is they clarified this. It should go up on the screen. What making God's love real means is to love God, to go deeper and love God, and to love all, everybody. It's rooted in the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we, they derive two areas of focus. To love God means to dive deeper into finding out who God is and how we could connect God with God through spiritual practices together. Through the spiritual practices, we raise our conscious contact. Twelve-steppers will know this. Raise our conscious contact to see and experience God in our daily lives. That's why we pray. That's why we open this book. That's why we are in small groups together. Because God begins to show God's self to us in everyday life. And to love all, and this is hard, means to widen that love to as many people as possible, without exclusion, to our best people we don't want to love and people we do want to love and people who haven't experienced the love of God found in Jesus. And you see, you are witnesses because you have the mustard seed within you. It's there, you know it. For some of you, it's already been blossoming huge and you're providing kind of shade to others. And some of you are just kind of beginning that journey and wherever you are, that's okay. But God's love is supposed to grow in you and in us as a faith community. And that's the point. Others. The church exists for those who aren't here yet too. So teams of people have been working on this deal and trying to find out ways that we can widen the reach of God's love to all. And you all told us in that big long survey that you did that ministries of compassion and justice will be absolutely paramount. It's always been who we are. Many of you might not know that this church helped start Metropolitan Ministries a million years ago. And we will continue to support Things like that. And we're going to focus around homelessness. We're going to focus around hunger. And we're going to focus around education. And we're going to get on it. We're going to hit it hard. And we're going to make God's love real. Because we've always done that. And we'll continue to do that. But that is not the only way that we're called to be witnesses. And it's not the only way to widen God's reach. And this is what... So in that survey we gave you... Uh, assessing the different seven spiritual practices, here are the ones that were highest, that you felt most comfortable and equipped and kind of discipled around. Worship, prayer, many of you are satisfied with prayer, financial generosity, service, and small groups, a little bit higher than half, so we have some areas there. Okay, what were the two at the bottom? These two. Reading scripture daily, which we talked about last week, and inviting others. That was the highest that we feel uncomfortable inviting others. Why? Because I think the word evangelism gives some of us the heebie-jeebies. Because we picture people holding up signs and shouting with microphones, trying to scare people into believing in Jesus with the threat of an eternal hellfire and brimstone. Or we feel uneasy because politics in our world has hijacked that word evangelical. And it's become 
thought of as something maybe it's not. You know, when I was exploring spirituality again when in my early 20s and before I gave my life to Christ, I worked at the North Tampa YMCA as a fitness trainer. I know that's somewhat hard to believe, but I did. I was in decent shape. Not now. But I often talked to this guy, older dude, and soon after we met, he would go on long-winded sermons about these four spiritual laws that I must understand. And he was conjoling me to consider just saying this prayer with him so it would save me from an eternity of discomfort, to say the least. And you know, you gave reasons on this survey of why you were reluctant to invite. You don't want to be the why guy. Don't be the why guy. It doesn't work usually. You feel uncomfortable sometimes discussing the hot button issue of faith. Some of you are worried about being judged or rejected or kind of, oh, you're one of, that, you're one of those guys? Some of you mentioned that you don't know how to talk about it. Like you don't know how to, like how do I invite someone into a relationship with Jesus? And, and we want to equip you and help you with that. And some of you said, well, I don't know more much about the church or you, you can't answer. You feel like trapped. Like you'll start getting asked these questions that you might not be able to answer. And you, that's all understandable. That's all understandable. But we can't cop out. We can't just lean on that together. You are to be a witness. You already are, but you are to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Paul calls it an ambassador. An ambassador in your neighborhoods, at your workplaces, in the city, and throughout the world. We need to preach the gospel at all times, which is love God and love others. And we need to use words too. So the Bible gives us a few good models, and uh, if you want to pull out your sheet and write these down, that's great. If you don't, that's all right, too. These models, I think, aren't just conjole, you know, kind of conjoling complete strangers. It gives us a different way. The first guidepost is this, relationships, not results. When we use the word relational Evangelism, we mean that we're about developing relationships with people without an agenda. I don't look at new people on my street and think, oh, I am going to figure out a way to get them to come to Hyde Park and Hyde Methodist. How can I start doing that? No. I want to get to know them. Relationships, not results. Jesus developed relationship with all kinds of people. The powerful, like Nicodemus, who sat on the Sanhedrin, the most powerful religious council of the day, as well as the least of these, people that nobody wanted to be with or eat with. Lepers and prostitutes and tax collectors. Who are those people for us? And he pointed them all towards himself, which led them to experience God's love in a powerful and profound way. And you should too. 
Maybe you could look around in your life or maybe somebody's name or the picture of their face is coming in your mind right now who might be going through something difficult, who might be traversing a life situation, who might be suffering in some way that don't, that don't necessarily have a relationship with, with God or hasn't, hasn't explored it. And you might be one seed along the way one drop of water, one bit of fertile kind of nutrients to help them begin to grow. Guidepost number two. This is simple. Say the words, come and see. Those simple words can widen God's love and help people come and see. It could be a first relation, a first step for people in exploring a relationship with Christ in the church. The church doesn't get a very good uh, press out there, does it, most of the time? We usually hear a lot of bad things about it, sometimes how hypocritical it is, what it means. Come and see is an easy phrase. When we asked on uh, on the survey, what brought many of you to Hyde Park, the number one answer by a by a lot was somebody invited you who was a friend. How many people here were were invited here by a friend that you knew somebody? Some. In John 1, Philip meets Jesus and his life gets turned upside down. He was immediately went to his friend, Nathaniel. He had saw something in this guy and he said, you gotta come meet Jesus. And his exact words were, Come and see. See for yourself. I don't have to convince you of every doctrine, of everything. Come and see, and your life might be totally different. So after we have developed relationships in a natural way, sometimes we have to pray and ask for God, the Holy Spirit, to give us strength to know what to say and what not to say. Have you ever had that happen? When you ask God to reveal something to you or how you might say something to a neighbor or a friend, when God gave you the words or set up a meeting, I mean, sometimes those things can happen. And some of you might be saying, well, what does that, I haven't, I haven't experienced what you're talking about. I haven't experienced this deep and profound experience of being chosen and loved, and forgiven, and called. And what I would say to you, if that's your case, you're right where you need to be, and it's really okay. And we're a place for as you explore what Jesus might mean in your life, we're a safe place where you can ask questions and take steps out to explore who this guy was 2,000 years ago that changed the course of history and how we're invited to be a part of it. You are to be witnesses. Last but not least, this is hard in our culture. Be a host, not a guest. This comes from Eugene Cho McGray was telling me about it in in the Seattle area. He said that when people come to church, they often view themselves as guests. Consumers getting ready to extract something out of it 
And we, of course, and we try to create environments here for people not only to feel welcome, but to experience the power of God. But we want to pivot all of us from being guests to hosts. So when we enter this space in our lives, many of us, we don't know. I look around here, I have no earthly idea what some of you are going through. Some of you have difficulties going on in your marriage. Some of you have hard stuff going on in your jobs or with your kids. Some people in our congregation live outside. We all come with different needs and different hearts and different joys and wonderful stuff going on. And we need and we have the opportunity to be the hosts to them, to see people, to look in their eyes and say hi, to go out to lunch, to get to know your sisters and brothers in Christ. You can always greet like John and, and the Hatfields today. And many of you greet. We always need greeters to kind of keep extending out from this little out a little bit in the parking lots to let people walk onto campus. But you can just see people because that's what Jesus did. And it can happen anywhere. It doesn't need to just be happening on campus. When I first moved to Florida, I knew nobody. I was newly sober, trying to live a new life. And I started attending these recovery meetings over in Pinellas County, and I hated them. Badly. Nobody was, nobody was like me, I thought. I was the youngest guy in there. It was a bunch of guys older, and no one talked to me, and I felt out of place, and I hated it. But there was this one guy. I'll never forget him. Clay. Clay's eyes radiated light and his smile and his warmth and his joy would, you just couldn't, you couldn't, he couldn't contain it. He was a host and he reached out to me. He eventually became a guy who led me to make a decision for God to turn my life over to God. He invited me to his little RV in Pinellas County and I remember getting on my knees for the first time and I was shaking like this. I was scared. But he challenged me to, to examine my previously held notions about who God was. And here's what he did. He built a relationship with me. He said, come and see and he acted as a host. Go and do likewise. Let's pray together. God of light and love, I pray that each of us might see with open eyes the people in our lives, in our neighborhoods, and at the grocery store, and at work, that we would preach the gospel at all times with our lives, with our lives, but also with our words, that we could see people and use the words, come and see. Inspire us. Show us the way. And let us have faith that you will grow us and our congregation from the smallest of seeds into a large bush that provides shade to others. We ask all this in the powerful name of Jesus the Christ. Amen.